great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Like, so let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, I like that. Everybody. Amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick? Super Bowl rematch, the Bengals coming up on Monday Night Football, the Rams' first game in prime time, but first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. I saw like a stat this week where it showed like over the last 25 years how many teams have been like the Sunday night marquee game. Um, Rams shockingly low with only like six, and then I saw um, very low at zero was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, (laughs) I know that's not who we're talking about, but it's always nice when you get to get a primetime game. I don't know how I feel about these doubleheader Monday night games, and they're both, like, at the same time because, you know, I don't have two TVs to be watching both games. But Yeah, you know, the attempt of the real loser is the YouTube TV subscriber who watches both games in multi-view and sacrifices the full size of their TV, which is me. Um, but that's not going to happen this week because the Rams are the priority. And I think the other game is Eagles-Bucks. So – We've watched Baker Mayfield dominate in prime time. I don't think that we have to spend too much time watching that game. But um, regardless, it's going to be a really good game. And I think um, this Joe Burrow drama is going to trickle all the way into Sunday morning and into Monday morning because I don't see any possibility that it's not a game time decision. I don't see any advantages to them declaring that he's going to play by Thursday or by Friday. Um, he's probably not going to practice all weekend. If he does, it would be Friday in a limited fashion. But, I mean, that's the, the bulk of the conversation. It went from off-season Joe Burrow, largest contract in the history of football, highest-paid quarterback, to hurting his calf. Yeah. Yep, hurting his calf in a practice. And it seemed to just – those kind of injuries, Nick, they're so weird. Like, And it, we'll talk about how they started off 2-0 or 0-2, rather, for the second straight season. But, I mean, it feels a little bit like the Cooper Cup hamstring injury to the point where it feels better. And it was reported from Mike Garofolo this morning that Joe Burrow's calf is feeling better by the day, and he wanted to continuously give it some more sleeps. But the concern is when you miss most of training camp and perhaps you come back a little bit too early, similar to Cooper Cup with the hamstring injury, it requires daily rehab. It requires a ton of daily attention, and that shit lingers throughout the entire season. And I think um, his one of his best attributes is escapability. And I think it alleviates some of the pressure with an upgraded offensive line that they prioritized in the offseason. But that's going to be the big priority, whether it's Jake Browning or Joe Burrow, who's going to be get as much pressure as you possibly can for reasons that we'll list in a couple minutes. I think if you look at the two organizations, Rams and Bengals, there's a lot of differences. But I think the smartest one is the Rams tried to trot out Cooper Cup early after he got hurt. Saw it coming, and at the start of week one, they were like, he's not going to play. We're going to take the time. We're going to try to get to, where, like, however many wins we can get without him. And, you know, like, when he's ready, he'll come back. I think the Bengals organization, after paying Joe, 
felt like they really needed to get him out there, even though his teammates are like, hey, look, you know, Jamar Chase is on record saying, come back week five, we'll be fine. Like, get us to that point. And the fact that they put him out there, it's now going to be lingering for way longer into the season. And they started 0-2 on top of it. I mean, I don't know if you watched the Ravens-Bengals game last week, but it was not really close as the box score shows. Lamar Jackson dominated them all day. And Joe Burrow didn't really look great. And for all these people that have these Bengals receivers that pick them high in their fantasy leagues, they're getting no points. And I'm just at the point right now where you look at this game, the Rams seem to be running so much better almost on every level than the Bengals. And I know it's in Cincinnati, but it looks like a really great opportunity for the Rams to steal. I think the same thing. And I think for a couple of reasons, right? When you go back to the Browns game, we'll get to the Ravens game in a second. That game is 24 to three. I mean, Zach Burrow or Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they always have struggled against Cleveland. It's a little bit like Matthew Stafford and, and Sean McVay. Uh, Joe Burrow is one and four against the Browns in his career. And it's, to me, it's, it's more of physicality at the line of scrimmage and physicality holistically from a defensive perspective that wins those kind of games. I think the game was, you know, it was Ohio weather. It was raining. It was just a mess, a slog. And then the ability to force turnovers and pick apart the weaknesses of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, I think that that's what the Browns have, have showed. And I think if you're going to go back and watch any kind of game tape, it would be how they exploited the line of scrimmage. And it's a combination of pressure. It's a combination of stunts and blitz packages. Um, Jim Schwartz looked like a genius. I think he was out of the league for a year, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles back in 2017 as a defensive coordinator. But he made sure to heat up the pocket with multiple fronts and blitzes and stunts. And that friggin' blitz rate in that game, Nick, I was looking at it, was over 40%. And they challenged wide receivers on the perimeter. And that game being in the rain, it made it a little more difficult to get them the ball in the perimeter, which is where they shine. Um, and I think a lot of their offense is kind of being condensed into this quick passing game. So you're not seeing as much explosives from guys like Jamar Chase or T Higgins. And, you know, credit to the Browns as a defensive line coach in that game who uh, just knows how to generate pressure. Very talented personnel up front, Miles Garrett, obviously. Um, I believe Zadarius Smith is the other one on the edge outside opposite of, of Miles Garrett. Um, average pressure. Average time to pressure of 1.95 seconds against the Bengals in week one. That is a recipe for a W all day long. And these are Joe Burrow's numbers against the Cleveland Browns. 14 of 31 for 82 yards, zero touchdowns, and a QBR of 30.4. My Lord. I mean, I think there are a lot of teams, if you look at the AFC North, there are teams that are built to win divisions, and then there are teams that are built to win Super Bowls. And I think the Browns and the Ravens are more like, okay, if we can beat the best guy in our division, let's get to that point, let's win the division, and then let's see where we go. Um, but I think the Rams and you know the Bengals are a little smarter than that, and they think we're trying to win the Super Bowl. Let's get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter if we lose some of these division games. I'm sure they're going to lose some too. Um, so like, regardless of this in-division record that – the Bengals have right now. And I know it's, it looks dreary because they just played two divisional games in a row. And like the Rams, you know, they lost one of those two. I mean, the Bengals lost two of two. I think the Bengals will be able to write this ship, you know, come the rest of the season. But because of this Joe Burrow injury, I think it's going to be a lot harder than it was last year. Cause last year they started zero and two as well. But you know, at the end of the day, they're in the AFC championship fighting for another Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, there's somebody on Axis. He's a doctor. His name is Dr. Deepak. I don't want to pronounce his last name because I'll absolutely butcher it. But there is a, I think there's a 20% chance of re-aggravation, 
with the calf. And in that scenario, if that 20% does happen, then they have a four-week stretch and then a buy within that fifth week. So it would then theoretically make sense to place them on IR when theoretically you should have placed them on IR before the season had even started. But right. it is a much different conversation with Joe Burrow, for the reasons that you listed perfectly was the contract. You want to make sure that you have him out on the field, despite the fact that receivers were on um, or, or on file saying that they, they didn't necessarily need him on the field to begin the season. They want to make sure that he's healthy. He's their prized possession. He's the best thing that has ever happened uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's why they prioritized in so many ways an attempt to protect Joe Burrow, right, in the signing of Orlando Brown. And they switched uh, Jonah Williams over to right tackle and converted him there, which Nick just so you don't confuse yourself so Rams fans don't confuse themselves. There are two Jonah Williams in this game. There's a Jonah Williams right tackle for the Bengals, and there is a Jonah Williams uh, deep interior defense alignment for the Rams. So no confusion. We're talking about Jonah Williams on the on the right side of the offensive line attempting to protect Joe Burrow. Um, they've done – and I think they've done their due diligence. I think when it comes to the offseason, they had a lot of money to spend. Um, you look at some of the players that they brought in. You look at Von Bell and Samaje Pirine. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. was that prized possession that I was talking about, the prized expensive free agent. But then guys like Nick Scott and Sidney Jones and Irv Smith. Like Irv Smith is their starting tight end, and Nick Scott is their starting back end safety. Like they, uh, The expectation was that this team was going to be a lot better. There was no chance that they were going to start off as slow as they did. But, Nick, when you talk about divisional games, the Cleveland Browns are built to win divisional games, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers can be, just like the San Francisco 49ers can be, all not direct comparisons. Nobody jump all over that take. But that is very much how this game can unfold, right, if if, if you let it. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now is a lot of a lot of upgrades, but the spread continues to drop down at the beginning of the week. It was 65 Went down to 1.5 last night. Report came out on Joe Burrow, back up to two. So we can go back and forth. Yeah. I, you know, credit to the Bengals over the last couple of years. I mean, you're absolutely right. Joe Burrow is the best thing that ever happened to that organization in like one of the toughest divisions in football consistently. They are at the end of that AFC race um, to the point where they, you know, played us in a Super Bowl, which was a gift from God in some cases that it was them and not Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just really – you look at his numbers so far. If he does play, you have to feel like we have a good shot. And if he doesn't play, I don't even know who their backup is right now. I, I, yeah, I it's, Jay, it's Jake Browning. Jake Browning, six foot two, two oh nine from Washington. There was the, a uh, – What are those – I think he's a second-year guy, maybe a – if he's a rookie, he's a 28-year-old rookie. He's Van Wilder even more so than Stenson Bennett. Um, but – What's interesting about Jake Browning is this scheme is not going to change at all. Like you're still going to see Joe Burrow. He was under, was not under center at all against the Ravens in that game. They're consistently in shotgun. And when you, I went back and watched a preseason game featuring Jake Browning, I believe it was against the Falcons. He was in shotgun the whole time. And when plays break down and that quick game isn't there, he'll take off and run, maybe even a little bit more so than Joe Burrow does. So Probably, yeah. Yeah, you'll see a massive drop off from you know, magician to a back quarterback in very obvious regards. And the Bengals may get some criticism over the next couple of weeks if Jake Browning doesn't play well for not prioritizing the backup quarterback when Joe Burrow hurt his calf. But um, the, the feeling and sentiment, I think, from Bengals fans is even though they want the scheme to change, um, it, it's not. And that's so hard to do from week to week. So you can't have that expectation that Jake Browning is just going to get under center they're going to run 12 personnel and Joe Mixon is going to pound the rock for 
four quarters. Just unrealistic. So yeah, that Mixing Ravens game though, Nick, crazy. Yeah, that Ravens game though that we were doing mixing. He's one of the most underappreciated running backs in the league, without a doubt. I swear um, it's been like ten years of my life where somebody drafts Mixon in like the second round of my fantasy league, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to ruin my, probably going to ruin my team, but I have to do it." And then he always somehow successfully, you know, wins a couple games. Yeah, he's been he's been really solid. Um, this this Ravens game I thought was really interesting because you, you mentioned that it wasn't as close as the final score suggested. They lost twenty seven to twenty four. I believe that game was in Baltimore. Um, Joe Burrow had a perfect zero passer rating on balls that were thrown 15 plus yards on Sunday against the Ravens. It includes what's that? It said, sounds exactly like Mac Jones. (laughs) It's true. I mean, which you would never expect to make that comparison between these two players, but it included six incompletions and an interception on seven attempts. And he was much better in totality as the game plan was, um, you know, kind of progressing. I, th- I think that he was better, like, you know, some of the quick game stuff and being able to um, do some off script things. And I think in terms of mobility, he was a little bit better than expected in this game with the cap until he re-aggravated it late in the fourth quarter. But I mentioned, Nick, that they didn't run a single play under center against the Ravens. And I, I think it's an, an understanding between Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and Bengals fans and the whole rest of the league that they want to distance themselves between the Browns' defensive line, the Ravens' defensive line, who from a personnel standpoint isn't as talented. But I thought that Joe Burrow, um, when he's in that kind of offense, it allows him to divert back to some of the LSU tendencies, right? It's That's what he's most comfortable with. It's that quick processing. If it's not there, then you can kind of take off and create some things off script. But it allows him for a little bit more flexibility and a little bit longer of a time period to digest and pick things apart in the second levels. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And yeah. just – I think the stat is Lamar is six and one against Burrow head to head when he starts games, which is like, I mean, like I said about teams that are like built to win the division, the Bengals have had some lucky breaks with Lamar's, you know, injury record and playing the Browns and losing to the Browns and the Browns just not really being up to the fight against any other team. So, you know, I, I did not, assume all my Bengal stock was going to plummet down at the start of this year, but you know, maybe it's a good time to buy it. I mean, Nick, lost win loss total of 11 and a half before the season yeah. started. That's what Vegas opened them up at. I mean, they're 0 and 2 if Joe Burrow has to go on IR. That's almost a lot to fall under. Really hope they're 0 and 3. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I really hope that that happens. Me too. Joe Burrow's numbers against, I'm um, sorry, Baltimore, 24 of 41, 222 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. QBR almost doubled from the following week of 60.5. So some obvious progressions there from week to week. As I mentioned, I, I think that during the win streak last year, when the Bengals started to get hot, they increased some of their designed run um, out of the shotgun on early downs. They increased it from like 25% to 42%. You also see a lot of these crunch runs crunch, not, not the character from Diddy Kong Racing, but out of shotgun from 11 personnel, which fe- features multiple pullers and attempts to influence the second level. The linebackers, the, the attempt is to try and get their eyes moving in a certain direction. Then that crunch run gives the opportunity for Joe Mixon to pick between a couple of those interior holes. Um, and it does work quite well for them on earlier downs. But I feel like if that quick processing isn't there, if the RPO concepts that Joe Burrow has been running since he's been at LSU, that Zach Taylor's Rams fingerprints are a little bit all over, but they've transitioned from that offensive zone scheme, which featured some of those condensed formats into 
and, and some of those condensed formations into the shotgun spread that I feel like much better fits what Joe Burrow is comfortable with. So I, that's what I, that's the only reason why I mentioned scheme previously is because may, maybe some fans want them to fall back into some of those older Zach Taylor Rams 2017 tendencies where you can go a little bit heavier up front and you could run some of those uh, run concepts that allow a lot of the pre-snap motion and some of the stuff that Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan and all of the playmakers are all doing really well. Like you could tell some of those high percentage targets across the middle of the field are the ones that are the most successful. But then like to be really, really good in the run game, you have to be able to marry some of that stuff. So looks have to match one-to-one or you have to flip it, right? And run it to the opposite side to keep the defense on their toes. So their offense, I think they want to have that. It's just, it's not all there right now. You have to, in order to get Burrow comfortable, let's say he starts this game. And then, I mean, the same applies with this backup. In order to get either of them comfortable, you're going to have to find ways to get big chunk runs so that you can open up the pass game. And if the Rams were able to essentially contain CMC for, you know, most of his, you know, outside of like one or two giant runs, they they did a really good job of like holding him to like directly getting the ball and like getting like maybe one or two yards after that. So the recipe to beat the Rams right now is I think you've got to get Burrow or whoever comfortable and then you can like, you know, come up with some of these creative schemes. But yeah. I don't know if the Rams defense is going to allow that to happen. Yeah. And I think some of the things that the I, I agree with you, I think that some of the things that the Bengals have put on tape, especially against the Ravens, Right, some of the, those the standard cover two shell that the Rams run, run that Raheem Morris loves to run, I think is a great defense if you're able to win and rush four and occasionally blitz. It's a good yeah. suffocating defense for Joe Burrow because you're kind of keeping the top on all those talented receivers, and it's nothing that's that's net new to the league. But I, I feel like they have the opportunity to be able to force turnovers in this game for for those kind of reasons. Yeah, that's what they need to do. They haven't forced any turnovers. Um, in the first two games, Joe Burrow has only been sacked three times. Um, in comparison to last year, he sacked 13 times in the first two games. So we're talking about generating pressure, forcing an errant throw, and maybe Kobe Durant's first pick. I do believe that we probably will blitz less than we did last week, which wasn't like a super high amount. But Brock Purdy's not going to beat you over the top when, when you blitz him. Joe Barrow absolutely will. So if Joe Barrow starts, I would see probably less of the blitz and more so hoping that our four-man can kind of create a little more pressure. Yeah, I think the blitz rate goes up exponentially if you see Jake Browning. But yeah. Joe Burrow gets a little bit better as yeah. the game progresses against the blitz. So. More like Stafford where it's like yeah, you're exactly. almost asking him to blitz, asking them to blitz so he can hit you over the top yeah. for the love of the game. For the love of the game, which from an offensive standpoint, I unfortunately think Van Jefferson is going to be running a lot of those routes in this upcoming game, in all upcoming games, right? Because it's an effort to get some of your top playmakers offensively the ball. It's an effort to clear out a safety and to exploit a vacancy in the zone. And Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua do that so, so well. They're both those kind of option receivers that have that ability. Um, And same with Cooper Cup. And it's why that they draft to that type of mold. And, you know, I think as much as the Bengals want to be able to, to kind of replicate some of those things, they don't necessarily have the same kind of matches from a personnel standpoint. T Higgins is more like a Van Jefferson, although he's insanely more talented. 
Jamar Chase can do a little bit of what Puka Nakua can do and what Cooper Cup can do. So, yeah. you know. I mean, he hasn't shown it this year. Let's be honest. He really hasn't. Yeah, a lot of it is. He's averaging like like 1.2 points a week right now in fantasy in one of my leagues. Yeah, well, maybe they should get their quarterback under center and try and bring the defense a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe they should run some play action under center instead of just standard RPO. Although it's it's a college offense, what Joe Burrow is most comfortable with. But you got to have an arsenal of tools. And maybe it's their pass game coordinator – needs to be fired and, and rehired and, and maybe it's their um, they're not able to draw things up as well as they would like to in the run game because they're primarily focused on 11 personnel when they they should be focused on 12 or 21 personnel um, to be able to keep defenses on their toes the way that the Rams are doing right now the way that the 49ers do so well so combination of all those things and I think we're we're lining ourselves up for high expectations but a W on Monday. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to sit here and to tell all of you that the Rams should win this game. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Well, we got um, rumor has it a new song for next picks for week three. Yeah, we do. But let's uh, you know, let's are we going to get into next picks? I just want to say one thing. I think we're ready for next picks. Before we start next picks, I just hate how molecularly and you know solarly the rams and the eagles seem to always be connected like i want to watch rams games and i want to watch eagles games and of course they're the two monday night games so annoying there will always be some kind of weird tie with these two franchises it's not really a rivalry but it's they're always like connected in a weird way ever since that bradford Foles trade and even before then um but anyway I'm not going to talk about the Eagles. Let's go into Knicks picks week three. We had a great winning week last week. We're proud of oh. this team and the effort they put into finding the right picks for Nick. That's me to bolster not only the right picks, but the right bulletin board material to use. We are just trying to beat the books. We're not just trying to beat them. We're trying to bury them, Rocky. I am jacked up on, on today, Dean. Let's flip and go play the new theme song. The new theme song is on its way. Dean. (laughs) Nick. This has to be the worst yet. Gambling. (laughs) Nick's pigs. It was neither the worst or the best. Band, please help us decide and decipher. Was it good or bad? I, just, I, can't, I can't tell. It's hysterical, though. Very good. I was like, the producers were like, we need something today. And I couldn't figure out. And then I have no children in my life, so there's no excuse why I should know what that is. But I did. Blue oh is a, a good show. I will defend it with my that life. hysterical. Well, if you have Disney right. Plus, it shows up on all your screens, so you might as well. Yeah, check it out. All right. What do you got for our first pick, my brother? Starting us off, we have Saints at Green Bay. This line is suspect as heck. The Saints couldn't do anything on offense Monday night until Olavi breaks out the Cirque du Soleil double catch. Derek Carr is not looking like Allen Iverson, a.k.a. the answer, and New Orleans is left feeling a little worried. Sure, the defense looks great, 
But in the modern NFL, I don't think that's enough. The Packers, on the other hand, have seemed to found their Allen Iverson. Jordan Love proving to the world that he is all that and a bag of potato chips. Averaging, averaging three touchdowns a game right now and no interceptions. The Packers' first home game. So why is the line only Packers minus two? It's fishy. The modern idiot, I think, sits here and hammers Packers minus two. But we're going to get – we're going to take the Saints with the points plus two on the road. We're also going to take the over. It was the lowest of the week at 37. But the Saints hold their opponents to low scores, so that's probably why it's so low. However, I think the Packers will be able to put up points with a banged-up defense. I think the Saints will also be able to do the same. We're taking Saints plus two purely out of fishiness from the line. 27-21, I think the Saints surprised some people, and we're going to take the over. Okay. 27-21 Saints plus two and the over. I'm a Jordan Love believer. Yeah, I, I am too. Games I in Green Bay, that environment is it's inviting. It's I really it's, want to go to go to a Green Bay game. I heard they're delightful. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to experience that at one point in time. I don't know. I don't know. I think Green Bay is going to be fun. They're well coached. They got a lot of good good young players. Hopefully, they're going to get um, some of their receivers healthier moving forward and Christian Watson. So yeah, um, we'll see. I think I'm. I guess I'm the modern idiot, Nick. That would take Packers money line. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean, maybe they win. Maybe it's – I mean, Packers were like on top of the Falcons all last week, and they ended up yeah. losing that game. So, I mean, I turned it off. I was in a suicide league with my buddy who had Packers, and he was like, damn, I thought that that was a safe pick. And I was so happy to see that he lost. So, yeah. good for me. Broncos at Miami. I got two words for you, Dean. Danger zone, This is, which is exactly what the Broncos are in if they lose this one. Think about it. They lose – they're in for a real mean talking to from those owners. You bring in Sean Payton, you pay him all that Walmart money, and then the guy can't even beat the commanders. You get a Hail Mary gift and you can't convert two at home. Hey, what about Sam Howell? Hold on. Sam Howell, he looks real. I Listen, I love – I'm a commanders fan this year. I have I, I have over five and a half. I didn't think they'd be able to beat the Broncos. So I'm I'm fully invested. I love Eric Bieniemy. Good man. Uh, and him and Ron Rivera together on the sidelines look like they want to either punch each other or hug each other. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it it's it's incredible. Um, but I, I mean, you get that hail mary, which the commander shouldn't even give up, and you can't convert the two point conversion. Usually, if you get the hail mary, it's like a hundred percent success rate that you're yeah. going to do whatever you have to do next. But I guess for them, you know, the magic wore off right there. And listen, Broncos. I don't think anyone expects you to win. But we do expect you to cover. The Dolphins look to be the class of the AFC. And usually when everyone's high on a team, that's when they get knocked off their perch. Lions last week. This is a you got to trust me bet because I've looked at the numbers and nothing is telling me the Broncos should keep this competitive. Outside of one number, 75% of the public is on the Dolphins. So I'm taking that. I'm running with it. 30 to 27. I think the Broncos help us out with a fourth quarter backdoor, backdoor cover at the very end. Wow, 30 to 27. That Broncos team's going to put up 30 points against No, 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 no. 20 they put up 27. Okay. They lose. Oh, so, oh, so they lose in cover. Got mm-hmm. it. Lose cover. It. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. I believe that. Owen, would yeah. that be an Owen 3 star for uh Russell Wilson and Sean Payton's Broncos? 
It would be, which I think is going to happen. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they just win and that's fine with me because then the Knicks picks hit. But I, I'm really loving everything that two is doing. Yeah. Um, New, New England at New York, the the battle of the two mid-men, Zach Attack meets Mac Attack. Has Bill Belichick ever started a season 0-3? Dean, do you think he ever has? And if he did, he went to the Super Bowl. The answer is yes. His very first season with the Pats, he starts 0-4. That was the year 2000. Not much has changed, but we live underwater. A whole child has been born <laughs> and can rent a car since that happened, a.k.a. I don't see it happening again. I think the Patriots are going to be a, going to be scrappy going forward. I'm going to steal a phrase from the podcasting goat, Bill Simmons. The Pats are the good-bad team. They're good enough to beat other bad teams, but they're not good enough to beat a good team. And they just played two of the best teams in, in the whole NFL. The Pats D is lacking, but I actually really like what, I, what I'm seeing from Mac Jones. They're asking him to throw 42 times last game, and they happen to be that in that game the entire time outside of one little checkdown throw at the very end that the tight end almost makes a beautiful play. I think, I think it was a first down. Up to you. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the final pitch play. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it was a first. I don't know how you can reverse that call for the love of the game, yeah, especially on the field when, when the one guy's like, it's a first down, go. <laughs> Surprised they were even in that game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, but they were. They ran it to the end. As for the Jets, I honestly don't see them working any magic with Zach. He's looking horrendous in both games. It's remarkable that Josh Allen gifted the Jets that, that week one. Um I think the Jets, if they honestly want to try to be anything after this game, after a bad loss at home, you get on the phone with Jameis Winston, or honestly, even better, call it Phil Rivers, because I, I legitimately think you need like an old locker room type presence to to corral some of these young guys and think that you can have it. And I think Phil Rivers is the best fit. 24-18, I think the Pats win it. Wow, 24-18, Pats. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That, I think I like the Jets on the bounce back week after they got their ass kicked against Dallas. I like to see them bounce back and Bill Belichick starts 0-3. I think that their roster is well deserving of it. They have almost no skill players. It's just not what it what it used to be. And I'm kind of enjoying every second of it. So I kind of want to see it go in that direction. Okay. I mean, for some reason I bet Patriots over on wins. I have a buddy who's a Patriots fan that convinced me, and it's the, the probably the dumbest bet I made here. Um, so we have Saints plus two, over 38 in Saints Packers, Broncos plus 6.5, New England money line, and my quick pick, I have the Rams, Rams money line. They look like Rams. the better team right now. McVay's undefeated against Zach Taylor. I'm trying to go 5-0 and this week, but before we end this, I forgot to ask you earlier. I got too excited and wrapped up in the theme song. Dean, I need your lock of the week. Puka Nakua. Anytime. I got to double down on it. I have to. Yep. That's fair. I think he's so deserving of his first NFL touchdown after 35 targets. He deserves to get one in the end zone. So that's Akua Matata. That's my bet. Nice. Well, yeah. Last week we went uh, three and two. So we had a winning week. This week we just go five and oh. We're looking good, Dean. Looking great. But first and most importantly, before you guys place any bets, before you do anything else, make sure that you ram it. We should probably do that in the beginning, but make sure that you like and subscribe. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think all the smart YouTubers, Mr. Beast included, in the very first five seconds is like, Make sure you guys like and subscribe! Now here's all the money that you can win in my game! We're, uh, I'd like to think that we're smart, but we just are a little slow. Yeah. Slow to the game, slow to market. We're getting there. We're getting there, guys. More improvements as the season progresses. It's going to be a great year. It already has been. So make sure that you guys stay with us for all Rams updates every single day on every platform. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Go Rams. Shout out to Dean for making a Diddy Kong racing this season before me. Go Rams. (laughs) Peace.